1: You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Current Blue Podcast. My name is Dan Rowenson. I'm joined by our usual face,
0: James Rushton. James, how are you? All oh, good, thank you. Yeah, Nice uh, little break, if we can call it. I said it in our newsletter, it was a yeah. break. We've been recording all over Christmas and New Year, so it's just a new star, I guess, isn't it? New Year, new start, new us. i had time off, but it still feels like we've worked all the time anyway, so you don't really get time
1: <laughs> off in football. Um, and an unusual face for this podcast, but not for, for the Liverpool Echo, it's uh, Theo Squires joining us this afternoon as well to talk about, obviously, Liverpool on Friday. Theo, are you well?
2: Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for uh, having us on. I'm looking forward to uh, talking about Liverpool from, I suppose, within a away fan's perspective. See how it goes
1: there. Yeah, well, we won't mention the, uh, the aggregate scoreline of the last two trips to Villa It's <laughs> It was 12-2, by the way. I just, I just fell out. Um, but uh, in, during this episode, we're also going to talk about transfers, Villa transfers. That won't require you, Theo. So we'll wave goodbye to you halfway through this episode. So for the people watching live on Facebook today, I want to know if we could sign one player uh, this January window, who would you go for? And we'll co- come back to those later in the episode. First of all, though, we'll talk Liverpool while you're here, Theo. First of all, the FA Cup, we know how uh, Jurgen Klopp approaches the Carabao Cup. We played a team of kids last year and, and beat them 5-0. How will he approach the FA Cup, do you think? Will he still make some kind of changes,
2: but to a lesser extent, or will it just be a, a team of kids? Um, It's an interesting one because I think Liverpool's form probably plays into this a little bit. Before the Southampton defeat, everyone would have been quite happy for it to be the reserve players, the kids. Mm. Um, But then Liverpool are now out of form. They sort of need to find a way back into it. And they've got so many injuries that the hands are going to be tied. Uh, Obviously, with the cup games last year, they did have to play the kids but that was more through circumstances. So the, the 5-0 defeat at Villa, I think they were in Dubai, weren't they? The, the day after for the FIFA Club World Cup, yeah. Jurgen Cup would have put out a slightly stronger team there if it hadn't been for the congestion. And it's just one of those where in the FA Cup last year, he still gave chances to the likes of Curtis Jones, who scored that fabulous goal against Everton. They went on a decent cup run. Um, They got through to Shrewsbury and he had to play the kids again because the replay was during the winter break and the young didn't want to play the first team players in that. Uh, But then he put out his strongest team against Chelsea and they got beat at Stamford Bridge. Um, Like I said, Liverpool do a number of injuries and they've got players coming back from injury too. So it was all, how much do you rotate? Because it's been a a tough festive period for them. They've had on paper what should be fairly, fairly routine games, and they've just not got the results. They've drawn a lot of matches. And it's like, well, are these players out of form? So they need another game to try and find some form. Or are they just fatigued? Are they knackered? Do you need to put the second string in? But then if you look on the second string, it's going to be what you normally get from Liverpool in a cup game. When he it, it does rotate, it's going to be disjointed. It's going to be players not on their best, hoping that some of them can grab opportunities. But it hasn't often happened that way in the past. Uh, it, it's going to be an interesting one. There, are, I think there are a few whispers that you might have to play Thiago Alcantara just because Liverpool's midfield options, they've got the injuries there. And you've still got no center back, So, well, Fabinho probably shouldn't play. So, you're going to have two young centre-backs. You are going to have to have some senior players around that. So, uh, it's going to be a lot stronger than the, the 5-0 defeat last year in the League Cup. But you still beat the first team, what was it, 7-2, early <laughs> in the season in the league. Um, there'll be players out there that will want revenge. It's just going to be with a one eye on Manchester United the week after when Liverpool can have that rest there. How seriously does Jurgen Klopp want to take the FA Cup? when he's been complaining all season long about fixture congestion, or if it is just do it, get out of it and then focus on the league, focus on the Champions League and hopefully find some form later on.
1: We'll come back to how sorry James, we'll come back to how both teams assess their, their run in the FA Cup and how seriously they'll take it. You've mentioned Liverpool's form and I've prepared I mean you'll love to see it again, I'm sure, but yeah. I've prepared a little, <laughs> a little graphic to actually look at the form. So as seeing as you've mentioned it, we'll talk about it. If had a Champions League draw against I'm not going to pronounce it. Midland. Mich- 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 I think. I shouldn't <laughs> pronounce that because they're in it every year, but I still don't. We'll be playing Drawing... them next year. So get to yeah, learn it. Good yeah. Out, good <laughs> Draw against Fulham and you've uh, beat Tottenham, which is a, is a good result. Absolutely battered Crystal Palace, but we battered Crystal Palace and it, that should have probably been something like 7 0 as well, to be fair. Then you've drawn against Albion, who are dire. Drawn against Newcastle, who could arguably, arguably be called the same, and then lost to Southampton on Monday. What's happened to the to the form? Is there anything you can put it down to and go, Oh, it's I mean obviously Van Dyke's missing this year compared to last year. Is it as simple as oh we're missing a couple of players so that's why we're we're struggling so much or is there something a little bit deeper there, do you think?
2: It's a little bit the fact that they're missing players and they've had to rearrange accordingly. So um, I think Joel Matip's been injured for some of this run. So but like against Southampton, they had to play Jordan Henderson at centre-back because they have got a couple of kids there. But Rhys Williams, he looks rather raw. He's still very young. He was on loan at Kidderminster Harriers last year. So do you think from playing non-league with Kidderminster to playing Champions League against Atalantas and Ajaxes and then the Premier League? And then you've got Nat Phillips as well, who isn't in the Champions League squad for all intents and purposes. He was gone. He was not a Liverpool player in the summer because they were convinced he was leaving. He was still on the books, but he was expected to go to the championship. A move didn't happen. And then they lose Van Dyke, they lose Joe Gomez, and Jürgen Klopp is counting his lucky stars. And it's it's a weird one when you look at it on those results, one after the other, and break it down. Because Midgetland, it was a dead rubber. They were already through. They'd already topped the group. Jürgen Klopp rotated. And they had chances to win it, but they had chances where they could have lost it as well. Fulham, that was a poor day at the office. They were lucky to get the draw there. They started very slowly. Mm. Tottenham, as Liverpool normally do against big teams, they step it up, got a deserved victory there to go top of the league. Crystal Palace, I think, has probably uh, made the run not look as bad as it has to fans until that Southampton defeat, because it's like, oh, they only beat South, um, Palace 7-0 a few weeks ago. Everything's fine. It's just a little blip. But then West Brom and Newcastle, though games they both should have won. They had chances. They didn't take them. Mohamed Salah was guilty of a couple of one-on-ones against Newcastle where Darlow's pulled off a couple of great saves. West Brom, it was sluggish, and, and Sam Abdyshah's team defending so deep. you uh, was always that threat that on a set piece or something that you all come unstuck, and that's what happened. But Southampton, they did not deserve anything at all. It was just a, a sluggish game. Uh, they had one shot on target in the 75th minute, and it was a scuffed one from Sadio Mane straight at the keeper. No chance of it going in. And it's just, well, maybe it is fatigue, fixture congestion, because they have been playing weekend, midweek, weekend, midweekend, the whole way through with uh, depleted numbers. And rather than having that time on the training pitch to put it all together, it is just a case of putting your fittest players out there and hoping they can find a result and put something together. And last few weeks, it's not really happened. It has obviously happened to a number of teams around the division. Like We are seeing the big teams drop points when normally you wouldn't expect them to. But this is the first time I think well, Liverpool have had that run in successive weeks where people are starting to worry. And a week ago, they wouldn't have been bothered about Aston Villa in the FA Cup at all. But now when they've got a top-of-the-table clash against Manchester United, when realistically they could lose top spot before that game because United have the game in hand, so they have to beat United. Uh, do they need to get that run over before playing that game? It's going to be an interesting one. Liverpool have been so good now for two, three years. Fans are not used to seeing this from them. And it's just, well, is it one of those days? Is it just that fun? We've been so uh, fortunate to see such a great team. And this does happen. Manchester City were in the boat last year when they had their own drop-off spells and they had their own injuries. But they weren't in the mix the way Liverpool are. Liverpool still top of the table. It's just keep them going in there, Uh, you're going to have these days off days, you're going to miss the fans when it all comes together but if they can still be in a title challenge in the top two, top three come March when that final straight is into play then you would back them and it's just,
0: it's been predicted for a while that they would eventually run out of legs and sure enough Mm -hmm. that's what's happened now do you think um, fixture congestion is is has that big of an effect then? Because I think if we're Villa fans, and obviously I don't want to discount that because we we ain't playing in the Champions League, we we aren't progressing in, you know, the cup competitions, are we? Well, we've got another chance now, but mm-hmm. Dean Smith says that players want to play, so he's picked pretty much the same team during a, you know a tight period, but then again, he's not planning, you know, an extra six fixtures into his schedule, and to be all in all honesty. I can't believe that, you know, if you were to say to me, Villa, I've got another six games to play in between all these, I I just don't know how we would do that. So is it that big, having that big of an effect on Liverpool? Because as you said, you are seeing it with with the bigger teams, kind of the the shorter break. Some of them got to the fight, you know, progressed in the the European competitions and had to do it all over again, you know, this season. So it seems like a a massive problem for Liverpool.
2: It's one where I don't think necessarily that the games are the issue, but it's where the games are scheduled. So for Liverpool... They're not having the time on the training pitch. And when it is such a disjointed defence or a makeshift team around the block, you can't get that rhythm going. Like this season, they lost Alisson for a spell, as you obviously found out to great delight with Adrian in goal at Villa Park. Um, And then Trent Alexander-Arnold, he's not in great form, but he got injured in pre-season, came back, got injured against Manchester City, missed another month, and there's question marks against him. Obviously, they've lost two of the the first-choice centre-backs. Joel Matip has missed a number of games through injuries, currently sign again. Fabinho had a spell out. And then Naby Keita, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Thiago Alcantara. They've got the front three options. They're fit and firing. But then they've lost Diego Yota as well to injuries. So they can't really rotate there because, for whatever reason, uh, Takumi Minamino hasn't been turned to in the last couple of games. Jeanne shakiri has been injured. Divo Karigi seems to be on his way out in the next six months or so just because he's not doing it for Liverpool but you you need that time on the training pitch and it's something Jurgen Klopp says time and time again like players they do love playing but if you can't have that fluidity in training so you know you're 11 you can get used to each other especially for a defence then you are going to miss something I think they were saying like Jurgen Klopp's now played what 41 different defensive partnerships because he's had to make so many changes in the last three games I think we've seen four partnerships so we've had Henderson and Fabinho Fabinho and Phillips Fabinho and Williams for one half, having been with Matip for the other. It's just you can't get that consistency. And when you've got players out of form like Alexander Arnold, and you've lost these midfielders in midfield because they happen to go in defence, it is a struggle. And. Yeah, You've got the travelling as well. It sounds like making excuses, and it's what it sounded like from Jürgen Klopp all season long because he is banging the drum continuously. He wants the five substitutions, and it's just not going to happen because teams aren't looking, taking like, feeling sorry for Liverpool or anything. Like You're still top of the league. You're still champions by a healthy distance last year. You've still got all this multi-million pound talent in the squad. You should find a way. But you can see why he's got concerns. You can see why they have struggled with it but you'd like to think that they can find a way through it. Um, obviously, you won't want them to find a way through it on Friday night. Uh, and makeshift team, it's going to be another disjointed performance from them because we haven't seen for a while. It's like Lincoln City, which already says what you need to know, where Liverpool second string have gone out and destroyed what they've been put in front of them.
1: We'll talk a little bit about the second string in a little bit, maybe after you've gone, Theo. Um, I wanted to ask about the 7-2. Because <laughs> can't can't not talk about it. What impact that might have? Now I always find things like this a little bit weird. When you uh, you know a Sky Sports guy might go, well, the last fifty meetings between Villa and Liverpool and it dates back to the early nineteen hundreds. Like, well, things don't don't matter. That's not going to have any effect. That we lost fifty years ago, for example. But does does there a more recent result that that only happened at the back end of last year that you came to Villa Park? because the last time you, you came there. Seven two, we absolutely tore the first team apart with our first team as well. Of course, does that have any impact, or is it just a, a previous game that's happened and, and you don't think anything of it? Well, you know the psychological impact of the players thinking, well, the last time we came here, we, we got battered. So, does that happen again? Is there anything you can take from 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 a result like seven two, or is it in the past now and, and that's the end of it?
2: Um, I'd like to think it's in the past now and that's the end of it. It's certainly what Jurgen Klopp will be saying when he does his press conference. Like, But then, if you're a player who played in that game, if you're playing again on Friday, you are going to want to put it right, aren't you? Because it's a black mark against your name. But then, from the other side, Liverpool have obviously beaten Crystal Palace 7-0. I wouldn't expect them to then be able to walk over Crystal Palace every time they played them, because it just yeah, seems true. like it's a, a bit of a freak result. One uh, you're going to get in these seasons. Like the same day, um, United got battered by Spurs. Now United could go top of the table in, what, a week, two weeks' time. Um, but Villa have obviously they, they signed well in the summer. Um, I think they're surprising people. They've got a good manager. Players are in form. And they've just had that consistent team, like you've said, and it can do the business. They were superb on the day against Liverpool. Liverpool started really slowly and it was almost as though they, they forgot how to play football. What's been so good for them and the past didn't work. It was their undoing with that high line chasing back of so many one-on-ones. That they lost the confidence with Adrian in goal. Um, what's telling from that is I think that was the beginning of the end for Adrian. He's out of contract next summer and we saw... Last month, November, he's now dropped to third choice. they got the young Irish lad, Keevan Keller. He seems to be the second-choice goalkeeper now. But he, he was in goal for the 5-0 last year, and I think he had a couple of sticky moments in that one. But as a young player, is that in his mind? But he's obviously had a big year. Um, he'll want to put that right. And then it's just, well, what does Jurgen Klopp do with the rest of the team? Because the defence should look very different from what Liverpool had against Southampton. The front three should look very different against what went out against Southampton. And then it's just what's left in midfield. Um, If it is the second string players, which you'd expect, there won't be as many kids as we've seen in the past. Then it is, well, you're in January. If you want to leave the club, this is your shop window. If you don't want to leave the club, when you know Liverpool are out of form, this is your chance to show why you should be knocking on the door and in that first team when rotation has to happen but players haven't grabbed that opportunity in the past. There's been so many times when we've been cursing Minimino, saying he's not done what you wanted him to do today. Same for Di and It's just one of those where you're going to
0: have to do something that you haven't done all season if you're going to grab Jurgen Klopp's eye. Speaking of rotation, I know we've got rotation to consider, Theo, but is there a Villa player that kind of should strike fear into uh, Liverpool's hearts? I think there's always going to be one name. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he'll be playing on Friday um, but is there uh, another player that you, you Liverpool might want to plan a bit extra for? Um, well
2: the obvious one's going to be Jack Grealish isn't it? Uh, he's cursed Liverpool far too many times it's just not quite the Benteke territory but I'm remembering back to that FA Cup semi-final defeat under Rodgers where Liverpool will woeful that day and <laughs> it's just I swear there's always been like these victories over Liverpool that just come back every so often for like the past decade and um, Remember what three-one defeat I think at Anfield under Rafa. There's been a fair few. It's almost like you're a bogey team, but then Liverpool do win every so often when they need to. Um, I suppose Watkins is one to consider now, just because well, he got the hat trick in the Villa Park, and he seems to get his goals against the big teams. I know he's been very unlucky not to score in the last few games. He's got a few assists. He's hit the woodwork. He's had VAR go against him. And if he can get a hat trick against Virgil Van Dijk, well, what's he going to do against what would expect to be? Either a midfielder out of position or a couple of well, effectively teenagers. And then it's all Bertrand Traore, he's been in and out, hasn't he? Same for El Ghazi. I know El Ghazi's in form. And they, they could be against a very young defence. Like Nico Williams, you'd imagine, will be at right back. And he's had his dicey moments this season. Fans have got on his back a bit. Uh, but he's got Wales squad to think about, Euro 2020. Well, that's someone you could target, a young fullback. Um, James Milner, you'd expect he'll captain, his t- um, a captain the team. But it'll probably be at left back because Kostas Simikas is out and Andy Robertson will be arrested. Well, that's another player you think you can identify as a weakness. So it is going to be Villa's attacking players, those wide players that seem to be in form at the moment. Uh, it could be a bit of a mismatch or Liverpool could surprise people. And the, oh, Villa, I suppose, it's whether they rotate because obviously that first 11 has been so consistent throughout the season. Like, they do the business. You've got McGinn but then you spent a lot of money on Bertrand Traore in the summer. And from the glimpses I've seen, he was decently on. He's had a couple of moments, but you've not quite seen him in that starter role. This could be a big game for him. And then I'm not sure how close Ross Barkley is to coming back from injury, but he was informed before he got struck down. He came back now, but he scored against Liverpool for Villa in the 7-2. He scored for Chelsea in the FA Cup against them last year. He's a boy at Evertonian. He's going to have a, a point to prove as well to make up for lost time. Um, plenty there uh, it's going to be a tight game it's going to be an interesting game and it's one that's going to be a lot easier to call I'd expect when the team news drops because both managers could view it either way of where what the priorities are
1: yeah I'm still not sure what Villa's team will be yet the names you just mentioned there, I'm thinking oh, I'm not even sure who he's going to play and um, we'll, we'll come on to that after you leave though because I'm wary of you having your uh, the actual job to crack on with so I've got two more final questions for you first of all prediction for, for the cup game like what you said it's hard to predict until you've seen the team news but I've got to ask it anyway just to either look back on this and go Theo was was spot on there or we can post it on Twitter and go hey, that
2: guy knows nothing <laughs> um, well, I'll first off say I don't want to draw Jurgen Klopp will not want to draw we, are replays gone or are replays still a thing or is it just going to be extra time penalties whatever the rules are this year It's a good wrong podcast here mate, <laughs> <for that information. laughs> uh, I think I can't say off the back off the top of my head but it's going to, to be I
1: think players for FA Cup yeah. this year yeah. I think
2: I think but then so. is it extra time and penalties or are we going straight to penalties like the Carabao Cup
1: uh, get to googling James we'll come back to it <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I-, I think Villa will win just because okay. I expect Liverpool to put out another disjointed team and with the form they're in but in the past that's been when they've surprised people with the- all the added connotations this year with the fixture congestion I just think it's going to be a bit too weak. Like Kelleher, when he's played this year, he has looked good. So it's not going to be a case of you can target the young goalkeeper. I hope such would. But the centre-backs, you'd imagine it's going to be Nat Phillips and Reese Williams or maybe Billy Cometio, who's only played once for the club before, just because you can't risk losing Fabinho to injury. And that is a concern. Uh, White Williams was a little bit at fault for West Brom's equaliser. Nat Phillips, he's a good, solid, no nonsense defender, but he struggles against pace. He struggles against trickery. Callum Wilson caused him a couple of uh, hiccups against Newcastle, so that is an obvious point that you can target. You just think, well, Villa. Well, you've seen in the past teams when they go on a cup run, it sort of sidelines the league form. They lose that bit of run because they've got that extra distraction. They're not in that stage now when they're in deep in a cup run. It's one where they can just treat it as another game. It's not going to disrupt their fixture and the preparations too much. So they could go strong and beat Liverpool again. Uh, so let's say 2-1 Villa, 3-1 Villa. Just depends if Liverpool have got players who want to make that point. If you've got Minamino, you can grab his chance. Shakira you can grab his chance. But they haven't in the past. A few times we've seen them in a, a plan B front line, I should say.
0: Yeah, there is then. there is no um replay, but I don't have any there's no really clear information on uh how it works, but I assume it'll be extra time and penalties because it's the FA Cup and not not the League Cup because they've they've just went straight to penalties mm. similar some competitions, even the uh, the prestigious Papa John's trophy for uh <laughs> EFL League One, uh, League One and League Two teams. So yeah, uh I think uh if it progresses to uh, any extra time if there is any that'll be that'll be a problem, but I can't see any any rules that are clear and I've Spent the last three minutes searching. But, yeah, there'll be no replay, thankfully, I think, for both teams because it's mm-hmm. yeah, are rubbish in that. I think if, if you're a championship side, side or a league two-side, replays are a glorious thing and, you know, you get, get a second crack and uh, get to take uh, the big club to, to your house. But, no, nah, I can't see it being a, a benefit for either team. So, thankfully, not there. Uh, my final Liverpool-related question before we let you go.
1: We obviously mentioned transfers at the, at the top of the episode. Mark Hudson asks, what about Origi? So I feel like it's a fit in person to ask uh, for, for you to speak about Origi. You mentioned that he's got six months left on his deal earlier. Is he somebody that you'll look to move on in January if you can? And and would Villa be a good fit if he was to leave? And is it going to be a loan or are you going to want to get rid of him permanently?
2: Um, I'm sure if he's got six months on his deal left, actually. That might have been a mistake. But uh, it's one where we'd expect him to move on because he's dropped down the pecking order. Um, I signed Diego Yota in the summer. They signed Minamino last year. And it's just not happened for him since he's um, knocked out Barcelona, since he scored against Tottenham in all those glorious moments a couple of years ago. Um, He's got Euro 2020 on the horizon where he'll want to be in that Belgium squad and he needs to be playing games. And when he is playing games for Liverpool, he's in and out of the team. He doesn't know if he's going to be up front or out wide. And he's not as good out wide. He's a lot better through the middle. Uh, I think he's only made three very brief late substitute appearances in the Premier League. He's only scored like once and that was against Lincoln City. For his sake, he needs to move on. He needs game times because he is down to 6th, 7th choice for Liverpool. And Liverpool have also got this added uh, context for it. that If they want to sign in January, which admittedly at the moment looks unlikely, they've got too many foreign players. So they've only got space in the squad if they don't register Virgil van Dijk because of his injury. So if they say he's not going to be back at all this season... And out of all the players who are overseas, Origi is the one you think, well, yeah, he's most likely to go on. Him or Shaqiri. Shakiri's done a bit more for Liverpool in the past six months. So he, he definitely needs to go uh, for his sake and Liverpool's sake. It would be best beneficial for both parties. And he'd go with Liverpool's blessing. Like Jurgen Klopp has not stood in players' ways in the past when they want to play uh, elsewhere they have been good servants. I think of like Lucas Lever, Ragnar Klavan. They've done their job for Liverpool. They know that they're going to be first choice. And it's time for them to just go and do well elsewhere. Uh, I think that is the word for Liverpool at the moment. They're not actively looking to sell Divock Origi. But if someone came and put in a £20 million bid, he wanted to go, then it gets everyone's blessing. It's what's happened in the past. Uh, Villa he's one where, yeah, he could be a good fit, but he needs to play. And I can't see them spending like that much money on him, 20, 25 million on him, when you've spent how much on Ollie Watkins in the summer. Um, you still Wesley's Wesley to come back, don't you? So it's whether you need that rotation there. Um, obviously, when you've had such a consistent start in 11, maybe you do need another option there. And it's well, what there's difficulty you do because he can't really go to another team and sit on the bench. He needs to be the first choice centre forward. He's always had talent, he's always shown glimpses. Like You're not a talented player if you score in braces against Barcelona, if you're scoring in in the Champions League final, he's had big moments, but he cannot really string it together consistently. The closest we've seen to him for a consistent run of form for Liverpool would have been Jürgen Klopp's, I think, first season when they're beating Borussia Dortmund in the Europa League. So that's how far, long ago it is since we've seen him as this powerful number nine that could destroy teams, which he can on his day. But Liverpool have grown a lot since then. So it's like, well, if Villa can maintain this current form. So say you're challenging for Europa League next season, you've got what, Europa Conference League or whatever they're calling it underneath. That might be coming in next year. But he is an option. He, he should be looking for that sort of club. But he's been linked with a lot of big names as well. Very soon, like he's been linked with Juventus, Inter Milan, AC Milan. So like just going to be on the bench there. But do you want your payday at a big team to try your hand elsewhere? Or do you want to go to the Wolves and Aston Villa? Um, and just try and be that starting striker, that number nine, and prove that whilst you've shown glimpses at Liverpool, you can do it consistently in the Premier League. He's also been linked with a return to Belgium to play for like Genk or Bruges. So that shows you the inconsistency and in what we've got here for what Origi's next move could be. Um, all we can agree on is if the bid is in, Liverpool will probably accept it if it is the asking price and if he wants to go. And while he's a legend, he is certainly a Liverpool cult hero for hmm. scored in a Champions League final. What more do you want in your CV? He's going to be leaving whenever he does leave with the biggest uh, prize winners' medals that any footballer dreams to win in their careers thanks for
1: answering Michael's question. His follow up comment saying not sure twenty million is where we'd be looking and I agree. I think I don't think we'd go and spend twenty million on a strike that might not even start with with Ollie Watkins there as well. Um, thank you very much for joining us this afternoon, Theo. I know you've got lots to crack on with for the rest of your day. Um so we'll let you go and we'll boot you off the call and carry on without you for this Facebook Live and uh, we'll do a nice seamless edit in the podcast and we'll it'll be like you're never here anyway. So thanks very much <laughs> for joining us. We really do appreciate it and we'll uh we'll hope that the best team wins on Friday.
2: No worries. Thanks for having us on. And I will wish you bad luck on Friday.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's it's always good to kind of have the opposition on, isn't it? I think we've learned. That's how you learn. Like Mm. we we always assume you can look at a... uh, you know, uh, a league table or results or even just the news. Um, you know, if, unless you're like a Liverpool fan digesting everything about Liverpool, you're not going to understand the club, are you? So, uh, it's like us with Villa when people make assumptions about Villa or even Leeds. You've seen people make assumptions about Leeds that get kind mm-hmm. of, uh, <laughs> amplified a bit, but you don't understand unless you speak to them, which is obviously. Plenty of information about how they're doing, the form they're in, the changes they may make, and some of the kind of disruption they've had with their season. So, yeah, fantastic. But I'm uh, with the important matter of uh, transfer rumours. Well, just before we go on to transfers, I just wanted to wrap up a little bit on on the Villa side of the FA Cup tie
1: because Pete Powell left a comment as we were talking there. He said, I can see 11 different players playing as we can't rotate in the Premier League due to a lack of quality. I kind of, I'm mean, inclined to of agree with that. I don't know whether it will be a full 11. He also followed up with Heaton, Gilbert, Elmo, Ramsey. Courtney Hawes, Harahan, Davis, all start. Yeah. But you were saying Grealish is the star man, Watkins is this, El Ghazi, that, Troy Roy, that, and I'm saying I don't think any of those are even going to feature but it depends how strongly Villa take this because if Liverpool do play a weakened team and Villa play a strong-ish team, we can seriously progress here against a, against the top side and go into that next round. If Villa deem it not that serious and and kind of discount the FA Cup and focus on the Premier League, which I think it's dis- different this year that we're not in a relegation battle. I think because we're not looking to the next game, I think we will literally days later we need to try and pick up points. Yeah. But obviously, we want to if we want to progress and, and aim for top eight, top six, whatever it is. But we're not scrapping around the bottom. The FA Cup doesn't seem that much of a distraction this year as it has been in previous. So I think, why not focus on the FA Cup? Why not go out there and try try and win the trophy for a start? Never mind, progress to the next round. So it depends what team Villa play. I think if they play a strong side, yes, I think we might progress past Liverpool. But I can also see us making seven, eight, nine changes.
0: Yeah, I think it goes back to the Carabao Cup for me. I'm really kind of, in hindsight, very disappointed about, Mm. not necessarily the manner we exited, but the fact we exited. I don't necessarily mind the match itself or the loss, but... um, Going out when you know when you're looking at Brentford versus time. I mean Brentford would have been troubled due to you know the way they play the game, and the way we play the game, and our history with Brentford. It's always a, it's genuinely been a bogey match for us uh, when we were back in those uh, long days ago in the Championship. But looking at it, you're thinking, why couldn't we get to the final? We we, to, we if there's a team that turns up on the day, it has been Aston Villa, you know, more more often than not this season. If there's a team you'd bet. bet bet to be the the the, the dynamic team the attacking team the team that can pull off like a hollywood highlight it's aston villa and that's perfect for cup competitions you know that. Mm. I'd I'd love, to, love just to have progressed in that and got to the final again because we did it last season. Um, but, you know, I think we have to take the FA Cup seriously. Every team should be taking this Cup seriously. It's a prestigious trophy. Um, I mean, it's a bit different for Liverpool, who have had some genuine troubles with fitness and issues in rotation, centre-back injuries. You know, you, you don't need to read far to find out about those. So, yeah, I think, you know, I feel like if the rotation will be a mixed bag. You have to, I feel I have to use this to rotate. But also, it's in a manner where they can take it seriously. You can still play Watkins and Traore, but you might have Ramsey and Harahan backing them up instead of mm-hmm. Again, and Louise. You may have Haws and Conza in the back and centre back again. Um, Mings rested. You might have Taylor and Gilbert uh, on, as full backs and Tom Heaton starting. So, um, you know, we have to take this as seriously as we can and uh, put out a team that, that's going to do the business with that slight bit of rotation. When you say 11 players, it seems. Like, oh, that's a massive change. But when the names were revealed, like Davis, Haran, um, Ramsey, it doesn't seem that bad. I've been around the
1: squad anyway, haven't I, this season? And yeah. also some of those players you mentioned were starting for us last year. You talk about Tom Heaton being the backup goalkeeper who's still good <laughs> enough to start in the Premier League right. anyway. Conor Harahan could probably yeah. still start for teams in that bottom six of the Premier League, I think. Um, people like El Ghazi yeah. and, and Troy who've come in and would have been rotation players if not for having to, having to come in and play. Yeah. Um, so it's not, a, it's not a bad side we will put out if we play a team of Proper kids, then yeah, obviously we got got no chance. But someone like Ramsey coming in is a that's a nice thing to have. That's a nice option to to, yeah. to throw in there. So I'm interested. Villa could go pretty much full strength and just think, yeah, let's just let's just try and put this tie to bed and and beat Liverpool. But I think there will be some some rotation just because uh the next few fixtures after that, Tottenham is uh the Wednesday afterwards, and I think there's a full break. I know it's Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. So when you look at those next few fixtures afterwards, and you think Tottenham over to Man City, maybe they're more of the priority than the FA Cup. But there's no, it's weird, isn't it, when you talk about prioritising league fixtures? Because why can't you beat Liverpool and Tottenham? They're Friday and Wednesday. It's not like they're Friday and Saturday, and it's a day later. Like there's still five or six days between games. Like go and beat them both. Why do we have to prioritise one competition over the other anyway?
0: Yeah, I think the conversation about prioritising you know putting your fixtures in line and getting them in order um it it looks to me to be more of a problem it's how you start off on the right foot now against liverpool and tottenham and what the effect is by the time you get to man city burnley and and Southampton, which is all kind of quick turnaround but then again i think from what dean smith says he has a completely different approach on 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 player fitness you know he's listening to them obviously the physios and the doctors but he says if players want to play I'm not going to stop them if they. If my first team, as we saw across the festive season, if my players want to play, they're playing. That's it. Mm. Um, that rule probably goes out the window for the FA Cup because it has gone out. Any anything said goes out the rule the window for for cup competitions, as we've seen. Dean Smith at Villa has rotated in 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 these competitions. It has been done, so I don't expect that to change. But I do think players are in the form, Some of them are in the form of their lives, and that they want that to continue. So probably see Jack Grealish starting in all honesty but then that rotation all around him even Bertrand Traoré may be in but again like a mixed bag of rotation not the whole team I don't think
1: I think you can look at the difference of last year as well and that we were on, on course for a, a League Cup semi-final all around this time last year as well and you think, well, we've got the League Cup, so the FA Cup's not a mega priority because we're, we're actually quite close to getting somewhere in the League Cup. This year, there's no League Cup to even fall back on, so it should be, I think, that you put everything into the FA Cup and go, yeah, we want to go and win it. Yes, Liverpool's a first tough draw, but if you get past that, you think, well, one of the big boys is out already anyway, and we beat them. So if we can get yeah. past them first round or third round, you get the, you then go through and go, come on, we'll... We beat Liverpool. We've been good this year. Let's go and put a cup run together. We've got no League Cup to fall back on this year. We know that's already gone. So let's go and win a trophy, man. It's been
0: 25 years. Um, what well, you got to think about as well, we've, Grealish especially, and the rotation is, I think he's on four yellow cards now. I know we've yeah. had a load of debate about yellow cards. Five suspension. So chances are he's going to pick up a yellow card in the next league game or the one after that. And he's going to miss one of the, in that series of fixtures coming up. He's going to miss one anyway. So if we're talking about resting him for the FA Cup, Guy's going to earn a rest himself for putting in a silly challenge. Sure. Something's going to happen because that that's how what how football works. You know, all it takes is one yellow card. He's missing Everton, Man City, Burnley or Southampton. I don't know. How, when does it reset? Does it re, is it reset now? I
1: think, or I think it's to... 19 games. I think. I think it's the halfway point of the season, which is obviously a bit later this year. Yeah. So I think it's so 19 it's games. But that's run, probably Burnley, I think. Just before now, that that's already yeah. happened. Um, I think you play the first, like the first weekend of fixtures, or play again, don't they, at some point, and that's the halfway point. So uh, I can't remember who did we start the season against. Oh, it would have been Man City, wouldn't it? That's been rearranged. So, yeah, so
0: we've, we've already played Burnley, Southampton, West Ham, Arsenal, Brighton, yeah. you know, So it's, it's coming up, isn't it? So yeah. Whatever happens, you know, I don't think, I think with the way Aston Villa work now, I don't think they'll be turning up, even if they're heavily rotated, just to kind of fob off the game. You know what I mean? Liverpool's a bit, a, a lot different, but yeah, we'll see. We'll talk about transfers
1: then. We mentioned at the start of the episode that we get onto it. I thought we'd be finished by half an hour and we're only just going on to it because the Liverpool conversation has gone on much longer than I thought. Um, but there's not loads to say. It's I've said before in the in the summer window that ended in October, so it wasn't really the summer, that I don't really care about the hype for transfer windows. And I know that's probably goes against what I should be saying for a podcast, but that's just my personal opinion as me. Um, I'm allowed my own opinion. But I just see the names that swirl around and I don't really want to get caught up in the hype, even though I know that people do like it. Um, one of the first comments we had in here was from Philip Johnson who said I'd look at Ozil but I doubt we have the wage budget I just don't (laughs) see Ozil moving to Aston Villa so why even talk about it but (laughs) <laughs> like, it's one of those, isn't it? Yes, we probably don't have a budget for it, but I think because Villa are looking at different personalities and stuff this season and looking to build a squad and a unit, someone like Ozil doesn't fit in there and I don't think fits into many Premier League teams' um, ideas this year. I think he's been linked with DC United this morning, so that probably yeah. tells you the, the level of club that someone like Mesut Ozil is going to end up at, at his age and on his wages. Um, would you take Ozil if he was available?
0: Yeah, if if I if I had to ignore every context, it's like, yeah, <laughs> wouldn't you be silly? It was ten years ago. Uh this I'd take him now. He's been had a really tough time at Arsenal. He's got his little all he's doing is he's, he's got his little coffee chain on the go. Thirty nine steps coffee. That's all he's yeah. doing. Like he's, he's not even in the squad, so he's you know, one of the bet on on his day, one of the better players. Um just, so, you know, just doesn't come very often. Yeah, he doesn't come around very often. But um another one, Christian Eriksson, that's a right you know. Look yeah. It's January. It's come from the Italian media. Don't you know? Pinch a salt, handful of salt, treat it. You know, it's this. These things happen. Look at Piatek last season. Could have been any amount of truth in that. Yeah. It could have been a side conversation that Suso had when he was trying to bring Rainer to the club. You know, there's probably little pinches of truth in, in anything. Whoever they've just been offered, and they went, "Nah, go away. Don't, don't ever t- send me an email about this player again." Or whether Villa have looked into him. You know, there can be all sorts of level, varying degrees of truth about this. But Ericsson intrigues me. Um, to to a great deal because I don't know where he would fit in.
1: Well, at yeah. with time of the comment? Odellie so or, or that I put up. Odellie, so, um, all the comments coming through. John O'Shea has also mentioned Eriksson and Zinchenko from, from Man City. I assume that is. Um, do we need a, a number ten style creative midfielder in this side? You've got Jack Grealish and Ross Barkley in there making making moves. You've got McGinn who pushes forward up pretty much like a number ten half the time anyway. Obviously so if someone like d uh or Alley or, or Kush Notes and became available, you'd have to look at that as a deal where you'd say twelve, fifteen million, it's worth doing. But do they do they fit into this philosophy anyway? Or is that
0: just rocking the apple cart for the sake of it? I mean if you do want that level of depth improved, you do need to, as, as well as buying those bench players and the players in, who will eventually step up. It is about buying first team players, and if you put Jack Grealish at left and you know Douglas Luiz is at double and uh, McGinn is at double pivot and Christian someone like Christian Eriksen is at number ten instead of Jack Grealish and you've got Grealish and Eriksen working together. That, yeah, that, that's fantasy land. That's amazing. Football um, manager level, isn't it? That it is. It's, it's crazy, and even Deli Alley, someone like Deli, it's, it's it's fantastic to think about. Look, it's really early days. All sorts of things are coming through. It, it, you know, it, This is what happens to clubs. You know, I've, I've had to deal with stuff for Swansea today in a newsletter. You might have club striker Swansea being linked. To it. It's just every <laughs> club gets hammered with this kind of stuff. Um, so we'll wait and see. We always have to wait and see. Stuff always comes right down to uh, to deadline. down. we'll be speaking a lot more about how Villa want to operate and why Christian Eriksen could work um, in a much deeper episode, I think uh, next week, Dan, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to do a full episode, aren't we, on
1: a lot of Villa's transfer strategy and stuff like that. Um, we'll, we'll actually sit down and do some proper research rather than just throw names at you. Um, I'm going to continue throwing names at you, though, from the comment section. John Faruga, not the player, the commenter, says Hamza, young English and an upgrade on the Canberra, could flourish to become a, a Louise replacement if he leaves. Um, And someone else mentioned uh Hamza as well. uh Pierre, Pierre O'Dowd, great name, that. Make a mixture of French and... Irish O'Dowd? Pierre O'Dowd? I don't know. He says push is an attacking threat and have Hamza next to Doug. Um, yeah, maybe. Well,
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, someone like Hamza Chowdhury, though, does stick out as the type of player that should be aiming mm-hmm. at. Someone who's yeah. not really. F- they, they could stay at their club and push on, but time has come for them to be playing first team football and they're good enough to do that in the Premier League. Like Hamza yeah. Chowdhury. I remember, you know, in that terrible. Um, Leicester Villa game not so long ago, him just like, absolutely harassed. You can just, he's so distinctive, you can see him a mile off, just tearing, like Calvin Phillips tearing down after a player, even Douglas Louise and uh, Nicanvas, it was a similar player. But yeah, why not? I think it's a, for me, it fits the bill. But again, it's this is just complete, i say, like hyperbole, just discussion in the air.
1: Yeah. There's another one that I saw this morning, talking of research. I've, I've watched a, a YouTube compilation, so January transfer window is in full twink, of uh, a 19-year-old midfielder at Reading, Michael Elise. Apparently, the Athletic have said he's got an 8 million release clause in his contract, which is seems very cheap for someone of his ability. Um, I saw it on Twitter. Somebody posted it saying, you know, if I was Villa, I'd be looking at this going, well, we'll buy him now and kind of loan him back to to Reading for the rest of the season and let him carry on playing well there and then look in the summer at him. Um I like that, and again, we'll probably talk about this kind of thing more in our AVFC extra episode. I like that style of, of business, spotting and a talented player for, for a relatively little, a very cheap price, all things considered. Looking at getting them now, rather than them moving to Tottenham for £50 yeah. million, and then we pick them up for 30 in a couple of years' time. You you, you look at things like that before. You look at me like John McGinn as a perfect example of how things are done, that we got in there and spotted him for one and a half, two, three million, whatever it was. And he's ours now. He's worth, what, 40, 50 million to whoever would come and look at him next? I don't I don't even know what you'd put on John McGinn, to be honest. I'd even, be looking
0: at, at least that, to be fair. Even but, Esri
1: Comzer.
0: Yes, yeah, guy, exactly. Yeah. Guy comes in for 12 million, could leave double, triple, quadruple, pent up, all that. It's, <laughs> you know, if with you, the, the the man you put, spotted out at least, if, if you look at him, for me, it's just so simple. Buy him it's because he's going kind to of be brain, worth yeah. double. literally the second he lands at the club like it doesn't matter if you're playing that much you've got to keep this sustainable business practice going you can't be the villain of the past that went oh we have lost James Milner now now what do we do Yeah, (laughs) or or
1: the, the championship version of just going well he's good Ross McCormack Fifteen million? Yeah, go on then. Like that that'll do. That that seems like it'll work. You've got to be more smart, and I think that's Villa really definitely are this uh, in the last year or two. Um and like I said, this is something we'll talk about more in our in our next episode. But that's the kind of thing I would like to see us do. Pete Powell again also mentions Rico Henry and Josh King. Josh King, I'm a little bit not not massively sure, Ronnie. I've, he's not pulled up massive trees in the Championship this season with Bournemouth. Rico Henry is another one that you look at and go, yes, he's somebody you identify. has been on our radar. It seems for ages that he comes up every transfer window. Obviously, worked with, with Dean Smith before. He will know him perfectly. Comes in, slots in at left-back, one for the future. You go and pay, what, 12, 15 million or something now. Like you said, he comes in, plays a few games for us, hopefully improves. And then, you, again, you look at someone like Matty Cash. 15 million. How much is he worth now? 25, 30 if we chose to sell him. Instant resale value straight away. Young talented players. That is the way forward for Aston Villa.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you go back to, we'll come on to Rico Henry in a second, but you go back to kind of how Aston Villa approached Deli Alley when he was at MK Dons. gave him all the tour, mm-hmm. did everything. He goes to Tottenham and Tottenham give him just a little bit more, a bit, bit, bit more encouragement. I think even the managers there, which, you know, it doesn't often happen with. You, deals to bring young players in, even if it is seven to fifteen million, usually the manager isn't involved in that kind of luring in process to kind of mm. pitch them up to them But Tottenham gave him the full deal. I know it's not worked out this current year, but you can from that point that Deli Alley joined from MK Dons, it was a massive success and Villa left there pointing over a player they never had a, they had a, it was in their hands and they couldn't yeah. get him. Gotta be so much more serious. You've got to look at the way they've they've struck out with the youth acquisitions, Louis Barry sprinkles all, all sorts who've come into that, that youth team have genuinely massively improved the squad. And they've got in before, I think, how Brexit affects the youth transfer. So they've got in quickly to capture youth talent from around Europe, put them straight in a team. And with a view to being the first-team players, Kind of got strike the same way with your first-team acquisitions as well. You've got to go in. Don't point. If if a player doesn't, like Rico Henry, say, doesn't fancy Aston Villa, and he might be looking elsewhere, don't bother get get the next one in. That's how Aston Villa need to work now. But um, with Rico Henry specifically, I think he was mentioned by thomas frank when in an interview just before they played spurs he yeah. said "Look, when we didn't get promoted we agreed to let two players go one or two players go watkins ben rama whomever else wanted out the door but we when we saw people like the silver rico henry we you know if, if ollie watkins and ben rama leave we can name stupid prices then for rico henry the silver because they're the players we, we want to keep next year And Bremer part of that front mm-hmm. three they, they had players to keep and uh get money in and they bought even tony who you know Premier League clubs Mister a trick because he'll be in the Premier League next year, whether it's with Brentford or, or with another club. So, you know, the Villa have just got a bit... They have been so much smarter with their transfers and I hope that continues. And, you know, from what we've seen with the youth acquisitions, if that continues in the first team, brilliant. We'll have a, we'll have a great January, even if we're buying one player.
1: What do you what do you think of our January business as a whole? Obviously there's anything to assess yet. Um, but what do you think we need as we look at it on the sixth of January? Do we need anybody? Do we need to even do we need to sign anybody? Wesley will come back at some point, so do we need a striker? Do we need to up- upgrade a left back now? Matty Target's in the form of his life at the moment. Ezri Concer's in the form of his life, even Courtney Hawes has come in and done very well. So do we need the backup centre back we thought we needed? Do we need a midfielder? Or do we just be smart about it and wait till the summer, like we did in the in the summer window just gone, where we had made excellent business across the board? I think pretty much every every player we signed in in the summer just gone has been a success so far. Uh, yeah. Martinez, Cash, especially. Um, can't even remember the other off the top of my head. Ollie Watkins, of course. Bertrand Truro Ray is probably the the weakest one, but again, still been been pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So, do we need to sign anybody? There's people throwing names around like Diego Costa. It just doesn't fit the bill for me for what for what Villa are trying to achieve. A, a, a personality like that doesn't doesn't fit in for me. A player that's kind of over the hill almost, and as much as he might still be talented. Just, do you really see Diego Costa coming in and playing up front for Dean Smith-Aston Villa? Just Things like that just don't seem to work for me. So my question is, in a roundabout way, do Villa even need to do January business? And if they do, <clears throat> who is it or where is it? Oh,
0: That's tough, man. I think that, to um, kind of sidestep that question. Okay, if, Villa get, if, if Villa get, like, can offload players, like, say, Henry Lansbury, even if, 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 if they get a bid for a bigger player who's involved in the first team or thereabouts in the first team, if they get a bid for kind of like a depth player, they should replace that with someone who can make a first team impact, someone who can, you know, like your release, you like anyone from the championship, like a, a future talent they can look at bringing someone in. So, yeah, I think sell to buy is probably like the really good word for Aston Villa this mm. January. Not I because mean, we need money. Let's just yeah, stress that first of all. Because it's not sell to buy
1: actually. because you need money. It's that we need to a better depth there. I suppose yeah. like, you're talking to somebody like Neil Taylor, aren't you, really? That we probably do need a new left back and Neil Taylor would be the replacement. So if someone comes in, let's just say, and they say, oh, here's a million for Neil Taylor, you then go, right, well, we need a new backup, backup left-back, but somebody who's better than Neil Taylor was, who in a in a, in a pinch could step yeah. up and do a better job than that. That's what we'd look for.
0: Yeah, what What stands out to me, though, is a, is a striker, marker, because not necessarily spending 28, 30 million on someone like Ollie Watkins again and again, but someone in between Davies and Watkins who can... Mm be in a rotation option and give us more tax- tactical flexibility. Maybe we can put Watkins out on the wing for our game. Maybe we can start getting that enforced rotation because we've got depth. Striker does stand out because if Watkins goes down, Keenan Davis has been a tip for a loan. He won't be going anywhere Whilst mm-hmm. that, because he's number one backup. There is no other backup until Wesley comes back and that could still be five, six weeks away. We genuinely don't know. Yeah, that we, that troubler. He's returning, but whether he's ready to play week in and week out, that's still a relatively long way off Five or six weeks is um you know miles and miles away in terms of in terms of football so we'll wait mm-hmm. and see but striker does stand out to me because keenan davis he deserves first team football he should be loaned out to a championship championship teams want him so he'll have a chance there to actually play and you know what we haven't seen keenan davis actually do is uh play football because he yeah. doesn't, get a, doesn't get a great deal of chances does he Another name that has done the round, I did a Facebook
1: post two or three days ago saying if you were Dean Smith, what what, what player would you go for? And the, the resounding name in the comments was Tammy Abraham, mm-hmm. saying he's not getting a look in at Chelsea. Timo of is rubbish, basically. Chelsea fans say, not rubbish, but you know what I mean. He's not, he's not doing the business. They've got Tammy Abraham there, so I don't think they're going to let him go, but Villa fans are still like, bring him home, bring Tammy Abraham home to Villa Park. Villa Park's not his home. He was here on loan for one year and probably would have left the Wolves if it wasn't for Jack Grealish. But, He's a talented footballer, and if he's available, do you go for someone like that? Because then you've got Watkins and Abraham together. But is Abraham going to look to be sat on the bench for Villa when he's sat on the bench for Chelsea?
0: Look, the kind of depth that Aston Villa would want is that Abraham and Watkins. But you know, how much is Tammy Abraham going to cost? He's going to cost a stupid amount. Be alone,
1: wouldn't it? Oh no, we can't because of Ross Barkley. So yeah, we'd yeah. have to buy Tammy Abraham in January, and what are they going to say? Forty million? Are we? Are we going to do That'd that? Be...
0: I, I'd, I'd expect more just, it, it'd be one of those just because fees we can charge you it's just because mm. like Abraham would find a suitor absolutely anyway I think it was like uh, Leipzig last season or something looking at him for a stupid amount so it's just you know you can't win with this so I think Villa, just this season look at look at that mid- middling depth look at the person in between Davies and Watkins who can make some kind of impact if Wesley isn't ready to come back so uh no worries there but don't overspend don't go for uh, christian benteke <laughs> again um look at someone who has room to grow don't look at people who have probably had the best years behind them and are probably a bit too overpriced based on those best years last one that i'm going to give you a name for is axel tuan
1: thoughts on him uh, i can't remember what the rules are for premier league loans is it one premier league loan total or is it not more than one Premier League loan per club. I know you can't loan two players from the same club, but is it just one Premier League loan? Or is it I don't three think so. league loan or something?
0: I don't think oh. so. I think it's definitely one per club, though, because we yeah, couldn't. definitely have... one per club, yeah. And we had drink water last season. Yeah, yeah. Um, Axel would be a brilliant signing. I think, you know, when you look at how good es- Esri Conzer is, how good was Axel Transabia at Aston Villa and then yeah. if had that Premier League football and that constant development in the first team. Look at if you're talking about Ezri Konsa being really good, and he really is really good. If Axel Tansabbe had that football and developed in, in Villa's back line as Konsa did, how good would you know Tansabbe be? So I don't know. it's it, again, it go, It falls into Tammy Abraham territory for me. He's a wonderful player, someone I would love Villa to buy. Manchester United within it, every right to demand an absolutely stupid fee for him. And I think Mm. Villa just... The way Villa, and we'll speak about this more in depth, the way Villa would want to operate, based on the evidence provided by the people they've got in charge of their transfers now, so Johan Lange and Rob McKenzie, is not doing that, not buying people who are on on everyone's radar. It'll be buying someone else to develop into that player who meets Mm. all the expectations of that player, spending £30 million on whomever, could be a misadventure when you can spend seven million on someone who meets all the the correct criteria for them and you know but has worked for Leicester City so in the past so and Copenhagen from from where Johan Lange was from. I don't Villa wouldn't do that. Probably not not for me. Just thinking about Axel Tuanzebe,
1: and we mentioned football manager earlier and I've got a, I've got a three five two formation whirring in my head now with this Dream Eleven. So you got Emmy Martinez in goal, Axel Tuanzebe, Tara Mings and Ezri Cons was the back three. Matty Target, left wing-back for now, and then you'd upgrade him. Maybe Rico Henry. Matty Jordan Cash, the right. Yeah, Jordan Marvey. Oh, what a, what a shout. Jordan Marvey left wing-back. Matty Cash, right wing-back. Douglas Luiz and McGinnis are two in the middle. Jack Grealish is a 10. Paying off Tammy Abraham and Holly Watkins. Oh, League title, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> Go get
0: by football manager again, get back on now. Lot of, sacked in December, I think. <laughs> what a team though. what a team overwhelming personalities in that squad that'll benefit next season when a proper manager comes in no Ross Bark in that team Yeah, what am I thinking um, but yeah we'll fall into fantasy land here
1: with the, with these names I think we will do. We'll sit down and do a proper kind of transfer recruitment strategy episode which will be out next week at some point um, we're obviously still doing our post-match podcasts but if you've got any suggestions of stuff you want us to talk about players specifically you want us to talk about um We'll, we'll be open to do that kind of thing. We'll obviously react to any sign we make this summer or any departures that leave. Um, but yeah, the January window and transfer windows in general are a bit weird, aren't they? That you're just kind of waiting for things to happen. I'm not going to sit here and, and speculate about players 24 hours a day because that's just not my style. It's not our style. I can't be bothered to sit here with the list of names every day and go, oh, this might happen, that might happen because it's just we're just going to wind ourselves up silly over it. So... I think we'll call it a day there for this afternoon. James, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you to Theo Squires for joining us earlier this afternoon as well. I feels like about an hour ago, even though it wasn't. Um, good to talk about Liverpool. For this next game, is Liverpool on Friday night in the FA Cup. We'll be back with a post-match podcast after that. An AVFC extra episode will come out on Monday or Tuesday next week. And then we play Tottenham on Wednesday evening. Um, and we'll be back again for a podcast for that as well. So stay tuned with us. There's plenty of stuff happening. As you said at the start, of James, we've had our Christmas break, but we've carried on working anyway, and we're back with more content coming up straight away as well. Thanks to those who watched this podcast live on Facebook on Wednesday afternoon uh, and, and given us comments to feed off for the, for the entire episode. It's been really useful, and we, we love interacting with, with people watching as well. Um, if you'll listen to this li- uh, not live get my words out if you're listening to this not live or watching it on youtube after the fact then get involved in the comment sections and leave us iTunes reviews and things like that that really does help the and Blue podcast grow James thank you for joining me finally and we'll catch everybody again in a few days time
0: thank you for listening to and Blue and Aston Villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode until then up the villa